Welcome to episode number 97 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writer director J.J. Abrams. I'm your host for this week. My name is Marcelo Inestroza, joined as always by my fellow co-host Matt Crandall. And on today's edition of the show, we'll be discussing Fringe Season 2, Episodes 15 and 16. Uh, the first episode up in that batch is the episode entitled Peter. So, Matt, I have a question for you. Uh, do you have a silver dollar? I can almost do the coin trick with it, but I still got to practice some more. And finally, Fringe gives us, in this 15th episode, entitled Peter, probably the best episode of the season by far, so far. And it is an entire flashback episode that takes place in 1985 where we see everything that happened leading to the peter steel it starts with a framing device where walter is like okay olivia i gotta explain myself and she's like i don't want to hear your shit and he's like no you gotta hear this i'm gonna tell you this story and then we go back to 1985 we see that walter has technology that he shouldn't have and we find out that it's because he has created this window that he can view the other side. And he shows us this by having a meeting with like the government and he gives them a Motorola Razor, which in 2003 or 2004 was the hottest phone on the planet that you were dying to have. And in 1985 would have blown their minds. And now in 2022, I'm like, oh my God, the Motorola Razor, Jesus Christ. But even in 2010, that was kind of an old phone. In 1985, that would have been hot shit. And he says, I got this technology from this other universe. And they say, well, how can you go there? He says, no, you can't go there. If we were to go there, it would start a rift that would do bad shit. So we can only view them through this. But then we find out that our Peter, who is a young little boy, is sick. And so is other Peter. And so Walter watches as the other Walter that he quickly names Walternet. Thanks for the easy name that we are going to be able to use from here on out. Walternet is working on this cure as well. So it's basically, you know, two Walter Bishops for the price of one trying to solve this problem. And I love the simplicity of this window into the other universe being the thing that seems harmless at first, where you can be a voyeur and you can watch, but you're not interacting. And as the events of the episode slowly unfold, we realize how and why this big central event that we've only been alluding to happened, and it really packs such a dramatic punch and adds so many layers to everything we know about Walter Bishop and even our Peter Marcelo, what are you thinking as this episode opens and then we get the cool 1985 fringe title sequence that is so old school and retro and it really puts you into this 1985 mindset? Okay, first, uh, Matt, I just want to tell you and the audience that I had a Motorola Razor. So did I. Yeah, so, so when Walter is sort of showing these army guys the things from... The other side, and he goes, the Motorola Razor, that was a bunch of member berries for me. So I love that aspect. But like you said, this episode is so fucking awesome. And you, and do you guys know why? I've been alluding to this episode since we started the show. So now to finally be here and to have everything out on the table like this, it's just fascinating to me. 
The one thing that I really had a problem understanding uh, or, the, or that I didn't quite get back in the day, and even today when I was watching this episode, I thought that the main reason that Walter opened up this door to the other side was to get the Peter from the other side because our version of Peter passed away in this episode. So I was really surprised that Walter had been working on this window, this way to see this other side prior to him getting the idea to go back, to go to the other side and steal uh, the other Peter. So that was very, very odd to me. Like, huh, I would have had it where Walter had been postulating that this universe exists. We would have had our version of Peter die. And then after that, have Walter figure out a way to get it to go into this universe, which he does in this episode. But I would have just done it differently because I, I found a little bit I found that a little bit confusing. The other thing that I loved about this episode is that we got to meet Walter's lab assistant. And I love the fact that she's a Catholic person. And I also love the fact that Walter isn't. At the point when Walter makes up his mind to go into the universe because he's made up this this potion that will save the other Peter, I really love the conversation that his lab assistant has with him to where she basically argues the merits of doing this. And I love the fact that Walter is so blinded by his need to save the other version of Peter because he couldn't save his own version of Peter, that I really love that conversation. I really love this episode for so many reasons. But the main reason is I love the moral implications that this episode gives to us and the and the fact that Walter ignores all of them. And the only reason that he is alive is because somebody jumped in a lake to save him and another version of Peter, which happens to be our version of Peter now. One of the things that you maybe didn't like that I actually love that I think makes all the difference in this backstory entirely is that we do find out this was never, ever about Walter wanting to go to the other universe and kidnap the Peter just to have his son back. And it is such a difference from what we have been led to believe that he somehow kidnapped that Peter to fill the gap in his own heart, help his wife over on this side when that was not the case at all. And I absolutely think that that small little thing is huge in us relating to Walter and understanding this. And as this plays out, I was just fascinated that he has the device, you know, him and William Bell developed where they can see into the other universe. We know that he's working on a cure, Walter, and it's working on a cure. And then he gets the call from Elizabeth that says, our Peter is on his deathbed. You got to come home. Uh, sometimes kid actors work for me and sometimes they don't. And I didn't really like this kid who was playing young Peter. Sorry to whoever this kid was. So they do have what's supposed to be a very touching scene where the kid is playing with the coin and he says like, you know, I'm not afraid to die, whatever. And they have like this father son moment before he literally dies in Walter's arms. And it's, it is emotional. I don't know that it gets to the full 10 out of 10 emotional that they thought they were going for only because I'm like, I, this snot nose punk. I don't, I don't feel anything for him. Doesn't look like, doesn't look like Joshua Jackson to me. So that's fine. But then we get like the heart wrenching. Uh, Peter gets buried. Walter's at the funeral. We see how upset Elizabeth is. And, in those moments, Walter shows her the window. Our Peter is gone. 
we have to let him go. But take solace in knowing that he is actually still out there in another universe. He's not dead. Our Peter is gone, but Peter lives on. And I thought that was really nice. But then in watching this window, he sees Walternate mixing up a new batch of what could potentially be a cure. And in the moment when the, the potion turns and we find out that this is the cure, Walternate is distracted at his lab by September. And September is, is there and we're like, what the hell? And because September is in the lab, Walternate does not realize that the cure worked. He thinks the, the compounds didn't mix. And our Walter realizes this is the cure. You just have to find a way to stabilize it and you can cure Peter. But because the observer got caught trying to observe a key moment, Walternate coming up with this great cure that is going to save his son who we later find out at a meeting of the observers bringing December and August back in front of a movie theater showing Back to the Future starring Eric Stoltz, which was one of those high five alternate universe moments that I absolutely loved. And they say to September, dude, you fucked up. What were you doing? And he said, I wanted to be there to witness this incredible moment, but I got caught and now I might have screwed up the timeline because Peter is super important and this Walter doesn't have the cure. And so when we find out that our Walter, the only reason he has to rip a hole in the universe is because he knows that he can save that Peter. And his intention in that moment is to go through, save that Peter's life, and then just leave. Just cure the boy and get out. Not steal him, not do that, but just make sure that that Peter, that he can view with the window from time to time and take comfort in knowing he's still out there. He wants to save him because Walter didn't realize that. So I thought that was a key difference. What are you thinking, Marcelo, as he gets into this altercation because of your favorite assistant who's brought Nina Sharp into this shit and they fight as Walter is trying to transverse into the other universe and they break the vial of the cure. What are you thinking as Walter realizes the cure that he thought he was just going to bring and inject is no longer viable to just inject and leave. I am thinking, um, okay, all right, guys, I am not a parent, and I hope that I'm never put in this situation in, in my life, but I'm thinking Walter's assistant and Nina tried to convince him not to go through the portal to the other side to deliver this antidote to the other universe's Peter, but once he does that, the vial breaks. So at that point, I'm thinking... Walter, for the love of God, just turn the other way. Just turn the other way. But when he when he walks across the lake and he eventually ends up in Peter's room, I'm I'm thinking that when he goes into alternate uh, universes, Peter's room, I'm thinking that at that point he's not going to take him. I think he just showed up there to sort of say goodbye to him and not take him. But at the point when alternate uh, Walter's wife shows up, I think that's when he decides to take him. And, th and that's when he decides, look, I'm going to take my son because my wife, we need this more than she needs this. So at that point, I'm thinking, you selfish son of a bitch. You know, you know, how weak are you that you have to steal somebody else's son? And like uh, that had me. First of all, I was I, I was up on my feet clapping the whole way through. But that had me so enraged that Walter would do something like this because of his own of of his own shortcomings. The fact that he couldn't resist the 
the temptation of taking a son that isn't his. And the only reason he did that was for his wife's happiness and for his happiness. So that really pissed me to all hell. The other thing that I love about uh, this sequence is before Walter goes through the portal to jump to the other side, he has a very, very heavy altercation with Nina. And he basically says the only thing that William Bell ever really cared about was making more money and furthering the legend of William Bell. So I'm like, holy shit. I mean, look, William Bell is Leonard Nimoy, but the character of William Bell has always been a person that has never taken responsibility for what he's done. His company in the Fringe universe is responsible for some of the most horrible things that I've seen in science fiction. But this guy is never there. I mean, for God's sakes, the son of your best friend dies and you can't come to a funeral? What's wrong with you? I really like that scene. He just loses it and he says, listen, William is out for himself and I'm going to do what I need to do and I don't care what happens. Of course, when he does that, everything goes to shit. Also, the thing that I was wondering throughout this whole episode, when you mentioned that September wanted to observe the event of Walternet making the cure for his version of Peter, I'm thinking that that was supposed to happen. So I don't think that was a mistake. I think that was supposed to happen. But they say it was a mistake. I'm probably crazy, right? Well, because when he meets those other observers, they say you have to fix the timeline because you fucked up. Right, right, right. I think that, that it was some sort of mistake. Mm-hmm. My read on the bringing Peter over was totally different. Okay. I don't think he was ever going to keep this Peter. He was bringing him back just to cure him and return him. And even when he's talking to Elizabeth on that side, he says, like, I will bring him back, but you just got to stay here. That whole time he's intending that he is just going to do this. It's not ever malicious at this point ever. It's just, I have the cure, but because I don't have it with me, the only way I can save him is to bring him back and cure him off there. And... Because September intervenes when they fall through the ice. It's his way of fixing that mistake because he was not supposed to interrupt that cure. And Walternet was always supposed to cure that Peter because that Peter is important. So when they fall through the ice, September intervenes to save them. And he tells Walter, this boy is important. He has to live. And it's not your son Peter is important. It is this version of Peter is important. And this version has to live. It just so happens that when Walter is curing Peter... He's still, as he's working in his lab after they've fallen through the ice, I think he still is going to bring him back. It's still what he thinks he's going to do until fucking Elizabeth comes in and sees Peter. And it is in that moment where he realizes that his wife will be devastated again. In this moment, it's not an external force or just the way of the world that will devastate her. If Walter returns Peter... Walter is the devastator and it is that he cannot inflict that pain on his wife that he then pushes the moral conundrum of what's happening to alternate Elizabeth and Walternate out of his mind. It's a choice that we knew that he was, was going to make, but seeing the circumstances of how he made it reframes the whole thing in a new light, I think, but it doesn't make it any less despicable because that was not his son to keep. Certainly, the fact that he kept him to not hurt his wife is understandable, but it does not excuse it at all as we're watching this episode. And I think Olivia, when she hears this story, also is like, I get it, but that doesn't excuse the shit you did, and I gotta run and tell Peter. So I thought that was a really interesting way for them to 
fill us in on the moral ambiguity of what we always thought was a snatch and grab and realize that it was all motivated by a good intention, but then at the last minute, there was that selfish twist that colors the whole thing in a different light. I love everything you just said there, and this conversation is really turning me around to sort of the incorrect way that I read the episode when I saw it today. But I also think that Walter did this because he couldn't put his wife through that again. But ultimately... As we go forward here in this series, their decision is going to hurt them more than they know vis-a-vis Walter's wife from the alternate universe and Walternet, right? So I really like everything you said there, but that made me realize that there might be some consequences that happen here in the episodes to come that may make them feel guilty about their decision. And that may lead to something else horrible that's going to happen eventually in the episodes that we have to come here. But I really love the way that you sort of deconstructed the whole motivation of Walter was trying to do and what he did because of bad timing, so to speak. All right, guys. So we move on to the final episode that we are going to talk about this week. The episode is entitled Olivia in the Lab with a Revolver. So, Matt, you don't look very well. Do you have cancer or something? God, I hope not. God, I hope not. Please, please no. Another episode that deals with some sort of transmissible, horrible disease. And what a way to start the episode. Now, if you were a fan of Joshua Jackson in real life, you might have known that at the time that this episode was made, him and the woman who stars in the opening of this episode, Diane Kruger, were an item for like almost a decade. They were going out. And what better way to use... Diane Kruger than taking the woman who was so beautiful that they cast her as Helen of Troy in the movie Troy because it was believable that people would go to war over her beauty. You make her get this horrible skin disease that causes her to just become hideously deformed and die. So I thought, what an opening where we're hanging out with the beautiful Diane Kruger and she gets this horrible postules all over her body drops dead and then as we start to find out this is all going back to some of those pesky cortexafan kids who are wrapped up in the nick lane olivia jacksonville trials and we're digging deeper into what happens when these kids are activated and left to their own devices which is a concept that we haven't talked about Obviously, in Jacksonville last week, we were reminded of these kids that had this horrible thing done to them, but it was at the very beginning of this season, whenever, or last season, when that dipshit FBI guy who ended up being a double agent was going around and trying to activate these kids as grownups to like reignite their superpowers for the war. And this is about what happens when you reignite one of their superpowers, but the superpower is actually super destructive and they can't control it. So I thought thematically, this was interesting placement because it's reminding us of these super soldiers in the universe war that some nefarious team was trying to activate while also keeping everything at the ground level of Olivia still dealing with the trauma of Jacksonville and Walter and her having a couple of deep conversations where she says, you must tell Peter, you must tell Peter the truth. Now that I know it, this whole 
time, this moral conundrum of Walter saying, but Peter and me are finally, finally in a good place. And if I tell him that, it's going to undo all of this hard work that we have done to rebuild our relationship. And she's saying tough luck, but it is through this Cortexifan kid trauma that Olivia's mind slowly starts to change. But Marcella, what are you thinking as this mystery of the week ends up all coming back to Nick Lane and all these Jacksonville kids that were hanging out with young Olive? Something must be wrong with me today, guys, because I totally read the best episode of the series a different way. And before your opening remarks, I'm like, this episode sucked. I found nothing interesting about this episode, except the uh, Olivia having to deal with the responsibility of having the secret that she has about Peter that he's from the other side. You know, hearing you talk about how all, all of this sort of thematically connects with what Olivia is dealing with and the cost of telling people the truth and what really happened. I really like this episode just hearing you talk about it. I really loved the opening of this episode, seeing Diane Kruger, uh, Joshua Jackson's ex-girlfriend. I really loved the effect when we see Diane Kruger uh, after she meets this guy who was in the Cortexafan trials, when she's in the car and all the, the boils start to come out. I thought that was a really, really cool effect. And I also love the scene when our fringe team shows up to the hospital that Diane Kruger is being held at. And Walter meets up with a doctor who took Walter's class when he was studying to be a doctor. And Walter's class convinced him to not quit being a doctor and to become a doctor. So I really like the fact that that small interaction showed us that, listen, Walter has done unspeakable things to so many people and he should go to prison. But every once in a while, he affects someone's life in a positive way and in a positive mindset. So I really like that. Also, I really like the fact that you mentioned it. All throughout this episode, we have the secret that Olivia knows that Peter's from the other side. And all throughout this episode, Olivia's having problems sleeping. She goes and sees that brilliant character at the bowling alley. She has a conversation with him. And she also has a conversation with Walter where she goes, listen, Peter will understand. He will forgive you. And Walter says, you don't know, Peter. He will never forgive me. So if I do this, I will destroy everything that we have built. And to sort of back up his claims... All throughout this episode, Peter is jovial, he's happy, His the relationship with Walter is so good in this episode. The, I, I thought the writers did a magnificent job about showing us how comfortable Peter has become in this role. So it will be really, really shocking to see what happens to their relationship once Walter does have that conversation with Peter and does tell him where he comes from. Or if, if Olive has that conversation with Peter, I'm just fascinated to see what is going to happen with that. As this episode goes on, Olivia does meet back up with Sam Weiss and she's kind of looking for advice there. And she does have a scene where she goes to see Nina Sharp and she says, we need the list of the Cortexafan kids because obviously something is going on with them and we need to get all of them and round them up and figure out what this is. And of course, Nina being Nina says, I don't know any, there's, there's no list. I don't know anything about this. In that conversation though, Olivia says, well, 
I know the truth about Peter. I'm going to tell him. And so you should help me so that I know what's going on here. And Nina says, I don't think you are going to tell Peter. I think actually you're letting me know this because you're looking for a reason to not tell him. Because you realize if you are the one to tell him and it does cause this rift and break his heart, then you will be forever linked as the, the, like, you know, don't shoot the messenger, but forever you will be the messenger. And as they go through this mystery and they realize, you know, it's the Cortexafan kids and he's trying to, he can only get his powers from other Cortexafan kids. We do get, you know, in the massive dynamic thing, we find out that Broyles and Nina say they do need to find that list of all the Cortexafan kids and maybe they should start tracking them down. And that is after Olivia is almost killed by the guy because he shows up at her place and she fends him off and he has an emotional moment where he gives us his whole backstory, his sob story, and he realizes that killing all of these other traumatized kids is not the way to, to heal himself. You know, hurt people, hurt people. Through all of these events... Olivia realizes she can't be the one to hurt Peter in this way. And then she starts to convince herself maybe it would be better if he never knew. Because all of these things that she has been saying he needs to know the truth, she's starting to realize that sometimes the truth might actually have worse consequences than not knowing. And the final scene of the episode is her telling Walter, I'm not going to tell him. And I also think maybe you should not tell him either. And the great thing is that we can read it on John Noble's face almost immediately. And at first I thought he was going to say, well, thanks for saying that, but I already told him 20 minutes ago. But what he does say is, I appreciate how hard it was for you to say that, but I have now realized I cannot live with myself if I don't tell him. And so we're at this precipice where everyone who now knows realizes this information has to come out, even if it is the wrong choice. Peter cannot live his life not knowing, especially with this universe war ramping up. So Marcelo, that really sold the episode to me. The the massive dynamic, you know, Cortexafan kid cover up, but them also agreeing that maybe we need to start lining up these people and figuring out where everyone is on this board because of this big war. And then that emotional finale where Walter says, even if it's hard, I have to do the right thing. I was wondering throughout the episodes that we watched this week, how did Walter and William Bell convince the parents of these children to go to this school? Like, really? Like, don't you think that they would have had like a like like a cover story that they were sending their kids to like sleepaway camp or something? Because, you know, I would imagine if young kids were having awful things done to them on a daily basis they would tell their parents about it. So do you, do you think that whole Jacksonville thing like a sleepaway camp or, or it, it was just a big giant writer's hole that nobody figured out how to fill in? Yeah, we don't know what the cover story was. If it was, they were taking them to some sort of special all expenses paid private school. But the only condition is you can't see your kid for six months or if it was some sort of sleepaway camp. And by the time they had done all these trials on the children, and then sent them off. They like tried to hypnotize them so that they wouldn't remember because they all do have memory issues when it comes to this time spent. So I'm sure there is some sort of cover story the writers have come up with that they just haven't filled us in on or just felt it wasn't important to. But we do wonder what was the deal and where was Mr. and Mrs. Dunham while all this was happening to not worry about their kid being experimented on. 
Yeah, because because we do know that Olivia's father is an asshole. So we know that he's not that he's not in the picture at all. But where is Olivia's mother? She was around. She didn't leave Olivia. She didn't leave her daughter without her parents. So how come she didn't ask the proper questions? But enough about me speculating how that works. That's not really the important part. The thing that worked for me in this episode was, like you mentioned, that whole moral conundrum of Olivia spending the episode thinking, should I tell him? Should I not tell him? And then coming to to the realization that it's not my place to tell him. Perhaps it's better that he not know. But I really like the scene that you did, Matt, where Walter says to Olivia, I appreciate you respecting my space, but I have to tell my son. And if I don't tell my son, I don't think I could live with myself. So the only two parts in this episode that really worked for me were the Diane Kruger thing. The opening of the episode I thought was really cool. And the storyline with Olivia dealing with this big decision that she's carrying. Those are the only things that worked for me in this episode. The whole thing about this Cortexafan guy finding people who are involved with Cortexafan to stay alive long enough or, or killing people to sort of hold this cancer at bay really didn't work for me. The fact that we got his whole backstory in like 30 seconds when he invaded Olivia's home, I thought was done a little sloppy. This episode had things that worked for me, but for the most part, it really didn't work. You know, I think that any episode coming after the best episode of the series is probably going to feel a little bit of a come down and like, a, oh, we're back to this shit again kind of feeling to it. And so I didn't begrudge it the fact that it was definitely lower stakes, mystery of the week, less investment than episode 15 Peter because the high highs of that episode, you couldn't match them. And I certainly don't think Fringe was going to try to match them until you would hope the season finale, which is just the way that shows like this work, where we had that big return, best episode, all the backstory you could want. Now we kind of got to spin the tires for a couple of weeks until we get to the big two-part finale to send you off buzzing until, you know, the next season. So I, I totally think that, yes, when compared especially back-to-back, with one of the best episodes of the show, this one is way lower on the ratings. But it had those those small moments were enough that I was like, it wasn't a waste of time for that ten minutes that we got some of that continuation. You don't think that the the moment that you and I and whoever is listening to the podcast, so you don't think the moment is going to happen next week where Walter sits down with Peter and finally tells him. You think that they're going to hold that? I think they're holding it. I I honestly don't remember when it happens. It can't be next episode. I feel like it's got to be four episodes away. You know what? It feels like they've just been holding it too long. I don't know. And uh, I think that'll do it, guys, for this edition of Radio 815. Listen, if you guys like anything that we do here and you guys want to reach out to us for whatever reason, there are a couple ways to do that. First, you can just reach out to us on Twitter by just using the hashtag Radio815, or you can reach out to us on our personal Twitter page. It's JJUniverse815. If you want to talk to me personally, I'm also on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. But Matt, if the good folks at home 
want to talk to you about anything having to do with Fringe or how David Zasloff is ruining Warner Brothers, uh, what would be the best place for them to reach you if they want to talk to you about anything? On Twitter, at Matt Crandall. All right, guys. So also, um, I just want to mention, if you like the show, but you don't necessarily want to subscribe to a podcast feed, we also have our own YouTube channel. It's at youtube.com slash Radio 815, where we upload our back episodes every week. So there are many ways that you can reach out to us and get in contact with us if you want to. I thank you so much for listening, but until next week, as always, we'll talk back soon. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.